Hello. Welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? Fantastic, my friend. And True Hoop boss and CEO, Henry Abbott. How are you? Morning. Excited to be here. We are always excited to have you. Um, so there's a lot to talk about um, in the world of basketball, in the sporting world in general. Uh, we want to start on a little bit of a somber note, um, talking about the death of soccer journalist Grant Wall. He was uh, in Qatar, or Qatar, depending on how you choose to pronounce it, um, covering the World Cup. And he collapsed during the Argentina-Netherlands match, quarterfinal match. And according to reports, died uh, in, a, in uh, a Qatari hospital. He had been complaining, uh, if you listen to his podcasts and different and different reports, about having bronchitis and feeling really ill. Uh, if you kind of follow what Grant was doing over there, he was working a ton. Between podcasts and writing his stories and being at matches, he was really, really working hard. Um, since his death, uh, his brother uh, has you know intimated that he's, he thinks there could be foul play. And the reason why he thinks that is because Grant's reporting has been investigative into the other side of how sports operates we all love the magic and the goals and the excitement and all the things that make us tune in and love sport as a tv show but there are often nefarious things that go on behind the scenes to make that tv show right we all know that qatar getting the world cup was because of a bribe they admitted it right like that it's out there that is a factual piece of information to build the infrastructure needed for the world cup required a lot of work um, I mean, I wouldn't be wrong on calling it essentially slave labor, right? Like it, that's what it was. And what are the estimates, Henry? 500 people died, just under, maybe more, maybe just under, they don't really know. Yeah. Uh, they don't They're know, but a ton, anyway. a ton of people died just so we could see people score goals and do headers and all these things. That's not great. We know the Qatari government, uh, human rights violation. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on and on and, I wanted to have Henry on, of course, to talk about everything because at True Hoop here, we're about the truth behind, of course, the NBA, but sports as a whole. And I want to be clear about something. I'm not telling you that not to like sports. That's why we're all here and have jobs because we love this thing and these athletic competitions and events. But it is that love and that obsession that we have that is being used against us. And it's and it's a dangerous thing. Uh, thank you, John. I am. Um, yeah, it's funny. I was kind of rattled by this story, to be honest. Like I've, um, I, I, I said that I knew Grant Wall, and I kind of did. Um, I won't join the like fifty million people who've written the story about like the one time the email with Grant Wall or whatever. But I, you know, I had some communication with them, um, going back to before I was at ESPN, and but more than being close to him, I felt like him. I felt we were alike. We literally look alike. Yep, bald and heads. We, and, <laughs> and we had kind of similar approaches in different sports, right? And I always kind of felt like we were on similar journeys and had similar ethics and similar kind of like truth to power kind of impulses, right? Um, and uh, so his death felt a little crap. Like, you know, like I felt like crap. Like this is, you know, a lot of people have said to me like, oh, with these, you know, people you're taking on in your work, like, do you feel like your life is at stake? And I've always been like, I think it's probably fine. Like a little less like that after Grant Wall died, right? I'm not saying I know how he died. I'm just saying like that gave me that feeling. And I spent part of Saturday kind of digging into his recent work and his recent Twitter feed. And he's pretty big on reading um, this story by New Yorker writer Sam Knight, which is, uh, as I think, the best I've seen in sort of encapsulation of what you were des describing, John. Like what's the scene how did we get here? What was the corruption? You know, and it's 
it's depending on your point of view, either utopian or dystopian in Doha right now, right? There, um, there's this kind of surreal way of living where um, there's the full citizens and then there's the majority of the people who are not full citizens, right? And have almost no rights And there. As soon as their work is done, they need to leave. We don't want to see you anymore, right? Um, that always makes me think of the Hunger Games, right? Like, mm-hmm as an analogy, right? But the Hunger Games to me is really like, okay, if you have, they have Panem, like the city where the real citizens live and then they have the outer boroughs where life is just like a penal colony and it's terrible, right? And the way the brilliant people who made the book and movie of the Hunger Games put it together, um, they get people to not be like in violent uprising about this by distracting them with sports, right? They create the Hunger Games, which is like a televised event and the, Stanley Tucci character blows my mind. um, He's so good. He's just like, everything's like wonderful. And he was like inspired by Wayne Newton. He's got crazy looking things like you need to put in a lot of work to make a penal colony seem fun through the TV, right? You get the TV show needs to be fucking incredible, right? So they make the hunger, you know, literally their costumes are on fire, right? They're trying to make like the biggest spectacle of all time, because if it's anything less, people will be like, screw this. We're not putting up with this, which is kind of, no, spoiler alert that's kind of what happens anyway um but uh so i feel like you know it's a it's a, a myth right it's a um it's not really how life is i wouldn't say you know i'm in new jersey right now right it doesn't quite feel like the hunger games here right mm-hmm. but like the sam knight version of doha is like a lot closer mm-hmm. and then makes clear how possible all this is right and so then i'm kind of like well the the theme is in like a business school analysis like the benefit of this setup accrues to whom right and the answer is a very small number of people at the top right a very very small number it's bad for everybody else in this particular case of this world cup it's also bad for soccer players we interrupted the whole goddamn season to put the world cup in a place that you it's unfathomably hot at the time Mm -hmm. of world cup so Mm -hmm. they just moved the whole god they interrupted all the season right all these Mm -hmm. players that play for paris saint germain or Mm -hmm. arsenal or just they stopped all that right um it's, and it's good. It's it's very bad for, you know, the coaches, the players, and it's absolutely goddamn terrible for the media, right? Any truth teller, right? Like anybody who wants, this is where I'm a little mad at the organizers of the sport and all the people from FIFA who we know took bribes. And there were arrests like this week in Europe, right? Um, what, you know, I've seen all these sports bribe stories and part of me is like, you know, that's eh, a little corrupt. What's the cost? Like, well, the cost is the people who pay bribes are in charge of everything now. And um, one of one of his one of Grant Wall's last Substack stories was about um, that we should go and read everybody the athletics Adam Crafton has been doing really good work. And like he had the 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 big story where basically the head of the World Cup in Qatar is saying, like, you know, what do we care about some death? Death is part of life. We have World Cup going on, right? This is straight a Hunger Games quote, right? Wonderful, Stanley Tucci, wonderful, right? Like, like I, anyway, I, I, I don't enjoy being the Stanley Tucci character in this story, right? I don't want to do that, right? I think we should know if the whole world is becoming terrible around us. I don't want to be part of the sports distraction of that, right? Let's be real about this. At the same time. I watched World Cup this weekend, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, there's a way to do it. Grant Wall loved World Cup, right? He was tweeting about mm-hmm. it all all day. The last day of his life, he was live tweeting mm-hmm. freaking World Cup games because he loved it so much. So anyway, I feel like there's this, um, for us, okay, it's sports. Enjoy it. Do what you like, you know. But 
don't fall for it if very bad people with tons of power want to use it to distract us from what they're up to, which to me seems to be pretty clearly happening in this case of this World Cup. And to a different degree that you can read about a lot on Troop.com, like, you know, these sovereign wealth funds, they don't... Mm-hmm. They don't come from the best place all the time. And, you know, they are definitely interested in the NBA. And what's Leon Black up to again? And mm-hmm. how about these private equity guys? And these, you know, these people with this tremendous amount of power and money are super fascinated by sports. And they would love to play a bigger role in sports. And they'll play as big a role in sports as we let yeah. them. And uh, here they come, you know, yeah. chugga chugga. The train's coming in with all this money. And it's this is what it wants. And let's be aware. Yeah. Uh, David, before you jump in, you know, people often say, oh, my God, OK, I, I'm interested, but this stuff is so confusing. And it's, you know, and it's like and it is right. It Henry is. does painstaking work to follow the money. Right. I often use that quote from The Wire. Right. Follow drugs versus following the money. Like it will take you down holes that you're like, oh, my, what? where even am I right now? But here's one thing that I've always said on this pod just to keep in the back of your head. You don't amass that amount of money by doing good things. That's just not like, just think it it doesn't work that way, right? A $620 billion sovereign wealth fund isn't because as David likes to say, it's all puppy dogs and ice creams and rainbows. That's not how you amass that kind of money. It just isn't right. So again, be mindful of, huh? So we're getting, and we have two NBA franchises that are going to be starting soon and an expansion. I would be, I would wonder, okay, are we going to let that Saudi sovereign wealth fund in? Probably it's probably going to happen. And if that does happen, we need to be really vigilant. Yeah. The only thing I'll add is to follow the money initially is a famous phrase from the Watergate movie. Uh, it's something Deep Throat never said. Mark Feldman never said follow the money. Woodward Bernstein kind of compiled it together based on what they ended up learning is, is follow the money and you end up finding a lot more. It it's happens to be, for I, I'm assuming investigative journalists, they now know, probably always did, this is where you get to it. And, and I appreciate Henry's take uh, for the league that we cover, Gerard, you know, for the, mm-hmm. the, the, the where I spend almost all of my time following, talking to players, watching tape, whatever. I could pretend as if it's all just a game, but it's huge business. And I'd like to know that the people in charge of the players that I help and talk to, whatever, and the fans who are involved, whatever, if the person running everything doesn't have a kind of background that one day we might get to a point where we're dealing with a major scandal in paying referees, which we've already been dealing with some to begin with, or whatever, rigging the lottery. All these things, they're, they're almost like a game to play of what's really happening. But in Doha, like it's real. Like we have real suspicion about how things happen. We don't really have quite the same level of suspicion in the NBA. It's only going to get worse as we bring in more of that kind of money. That's why Henry's take on it so fascinating to me is I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to ever worry about the lottery. I want to know what's real. Or I want to get rid of it, to be clear. But if we have it, I want to know that we're not rigging it so that the Knicks get the next Patrick Ewing or whatever. You know? yeah. <laughs> Although Knicks fans might like that. Yeah, I'm sure they wouldn't mind, but that's the point. <laughs> um, you know, this idea of like distraction, like this, so this is something that's been happening, I mean, since the beginning of time, right? So, you know, God, however many years ago when the traveling circus would come to town, right? I don't know if you guys know this, but the amount of pickpocketing and thievery at homes would increase. Why? Because everybody's gathered at the town square looking at the bearded lady and the three-eyed man and the whatever the hell 
Got all this crazy. As Henry said, the suit literally on fire. Whoa, yeah. it's amazing. Meanwhile, your fucking house is getting robbed because you're not home, right? And your pockets are getting taken from because you are so distracted by this thing. And it's easy to fall into it because we love sport. It is so fun and so awesome. But we just need to keep our eyes open, right? And make sure we're like, okay, interesting. Why is this happening? Why is And as Henry said, if we, not just us media, but all the fans, if we push back, we'll, it'll be, we'll be able to stop some of those things, right? But if we bury our heads in the sands, like, it's just, we're just here for the spectacle. Well, they're going to push it as far as they, as they can. And that's pretty far. When they don't argue, right? Like, you know, we all went to high school in the U.S. and we had U.S. history and they taught us about, like, you know, the rights of citizens and the American idea, right? And if you're opposite that, you don't argue against the rights of citizens. Like, that's not an appealing argument. You argue, oh, my God, look over here, right? You just, like, <laughs> like, like it is distraction is the way you argue, you know, and there's a, then you do this kind of thing where you create the idea of, like, the bad people, right? Mm -hmm. And um, But, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, it, this is how it happens, right? Like, if you're going to try to end the American experiment, you're going to do it with distraction, not with, like you know a full frontal assault on just i mean actually sometimes idiots do say the constitution <laughs> should go away that's wild it doesn't seem like a good strategy but uh I, you know some have tried that um yeah, but yeah but yeah, it's much more likely to be like you know just focus on something else while we just take the take the constitution away right yeah no for sure yeah. and um you know obviously it condolences to grant's family um his brother obviously is really taking this hard um Another piece of information just to know, uh, Grant's brother does identify as gay, and Grant was wearing a rainbow shirt early in his time in Doha, and, it, you know, he was he actually got detained for yeah, it, right? Yeah, kicked out of the stadium, I thought, maybe. Even. In Qatar, yeah. um, homosexuality is a crime. Right, um, it's a crime, so, yeah. Right, which is its own level of, like, what are we Jesus. doing? But um, th th that's just so, you know, just th this is real, guys. These things that happen in the world are real. Um, all right, moving on to, but not being distracted to the actual on the pitch play. Henry, you have some you have some feelings about the World Cup. I believe oh, yeah. all three this? of your of your of your teams are out, but that's okay. That, that's all yeah, right. Yeah, I just I like like I'm not really I don't know much about soccer, but I've been watching a lot lately and um so I selfishly was like I'm I live in the US. I'm a US citizen. I'm a US fan. I'm rooting for them, but I know they're not going to make it that far. So mm -hmm. I had as a backup team the country I was born, England, mm -hmm. like doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. And since I was a little worried about how far they'd go, I took a backup <laughs> to the backup, which was mm -hmm. Brazil, which seemed like perfect a home perfect run. Sense. Yeah. I was gonna be happy all the way through the <laughs> tournament, right? I was just gonna and I was teasing about like how disloyal I was, even though I looked like I was being loyal all the way through, right? They're all out <laughs> of a man without a nation, even though I had three nations. <laughs> Maybe you guys could tell me who to root, root for now. I, he, he, okay. You are a man without a country, literally, right? This is where you Sad. are right now. But Sad. you know, it's and David, you know, I mean, basketball is a little bit different, but we we kind of have this, right? This is the NCAA tournament in a way. Anything can happen once you get the single elimination. Things yeah. get wild, and Brazil's the number one team in, in the world. Well, the number one team in the world will not be winning the World Cup this year, right? Like things just happen to you. It's, and like, it's a and, first of all, bad things happen to every, in every game. It's such a random sport to begin with. Correct. Correct. Yeah, more so than most, obviously. And yeah, I mean, that's why. How often has the number one team in the world actually won the World Cup? I wager it's not nah, 75% of the yeah. time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stuff happens. That's what makes it exciting, I'm sure, like the NCAA mm -hmm. tournament. Um, I don't even know if I'm watching the games tomorrow. I, I, I have watched a little bit of them. I, I've watched more G League games, certainly NBA games <laughs> times 20, but I've even watched more G League games than I have the World Cup. But um, I've enjoyed some of the penalty kick battles at the end. 
Yeah, I like the drama. <laughs> I, honestly, I've said this to you on Thursday. Just, just I just think about the athletes, like whether from a rich country or poor country or everywhere in between. Just to be able to re- to be one of so few, for especially in some of these larger nations, even a smaller nation, it's still in- incredible to be. You mm-hmm. have to be so good. And you know what? A lot of them. I don't follow soccer like you guys do. I don't know who these guys are. You know, some of these guys taking the penalty kicks, I hear, they, they look to me like you're a librarian down the road. And then I, I look, you know, they talk about how the fourth World Cup, but these guys are amazing players, but they just look ordinary. I, I like that part of it, but I'm very yeah. intrigued with how Morocco is keeping everyone from scoring. It, it's got to be something beyond luck and a great goalie. You know, we're, we're, we're going to find some stuff out. All right, Henry, so here's what you, you have some options here. Croatia is a nation of, I don't know, three and a half million, million people, yeah. something, yeah. right? Yeah. Not, not, not very yeah. big. Argentina's probably 15 million, maybe. Um, so, you know, quite considerably bigger. You have Lionel Messi. This is the one trophy that he needs to get to his resume. So that's, I, I, you know, I'm not saying you should, David. I'm just saying that's one angle you can Here's go. Here's the problem, though. I've been front-running already, right? I picked, <laughs> it hasn't worked. Like, that's okay. Keep front-running. But if I, if I lose, <laughs> if I pick Argentina now, right, and they don't win, like, yes. I... I have done every bit of bandwagoning you could possibly do and got the L. I kind of need an underdog now, to be honest. So so, uh, as I flip to Croatia now, a nation of only three and a half million, like what are the odds that you're like, you got not that many people. They're fun to watch too. And Luka Modric, like shout out to Real Madrid. Like he's awesome. It's like on the other bracket, Morocco, as David said, has not yielded a goal all tournament. It was an own goal. That's the only goal they've given up. That's amazing. And then, you know, where my loyalties lie. Allez les bleus. (laughs) <laughs> right? You have maybe the best player in the world in Kylian Mbappe and Antoine Griezmann and Tembele and all these amazing Rabio and they're just they're France and they're fun. Dressing like France. Yeah. The English. That's <laughs> <what. laughs> have you met my grandmother? Like it's in my it, the way I mean my English family, right? Like I was, you know, raised around mm-hmm. this, you know, like it it was very unclear who was on whose side in World War II, right? Like it was like you know, like the mm-hmm. the French fucked everything up. It's like the theme of how English people talk about. That's right. Like you know, like, yeah. And I'm not anti-French. I freaking I'd like to be in France right now. Don't right, get me right, wrong. As would I. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but, like, but that's the answer to your question. Like my grandmother would personally punch Mbappe in the face. Just French. Yeah. I love it. My grandmother would punch Kylian Mbappe in the face. Fair, fair. Yeah. So I think go. I gotta go Morocco, right? This sounds like come well, on. But but make sure you pick one on each side of the bracket. So Croatia on one side, Morocco <laughs> on the other. No, I, I, yes, it's fine. It's on fine. behalf of the people out there rooting for Croatia and France, I mean Croatia and Morocco, uh, I don't want Henry. He he's he's just a dark shadow right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't go Henry. go go the big Argentina France. Uh, Henry. <laughs> Henry, that makes we, me want it more. Henry, I'm, I'm felt very super sure that Morocco is my choice. <laughs> we will, we will welcome you on the French side, Henry. Come on down. We're not like David. We don't want to keep you out. I just keep that invitation open for when the Moroccans lose, and then I'm coming right on over. <laughs> okay, seat, seat will be ready. When are, when are the games tomorrow? Uh, so tomorrow is the first one. Okay. Um, you know, look as as my aunt says. Look, I watch sports for fun. I wouldn't leave yeah. every game happy and winning. So I go with the winners. I'm like. Undeniable yeah. logic in that. Undeniable mm-hmm. logic. All right, I so like you it. ready for my radical idea? Yeah. Um, we've had so much uh, group chat about, like, you know, mm-hmm. the, these basketball brains visiting mm-hmm. soccer and just, like, we're ready to rearrange all the furniture even though we just got <laughs> here, right? Like, so with that in mind, this is a jerky thing for me to say. Okay. They don't call a lot of fouls in the penalty area. Mm-hmm. 
because it's such a giant foul to call, right? So there's like there's a there's a physical violent challenge every few minutes, and they call ten percent of them, mm-hmm. right? The physical violent challenge takes away a lot of the best moments. Like if they didn't foul the crap out of everybody with the ball in the box, we'd have more beautiful goals, right? Correct. So I think the sport would like to have less violent play in the box. But I understand why the ref doesn't just get penalty kicks all game because it would decide everything, right? Mm-hmm. So here's my radical proposal. Rather than have every foul in the box be a penalty kick, I think they should make it a free kick where the foul happens like the rest of the field. Mm-hmm. Right? I think you should just have like on the six-yard line, the guy gets taken down, put the wall, put all the defenders, put everything, <sighs> just play soccer. <laughs> and they would call more fouls, right? They, they certainly would call more fouls. you imagine at the six-yard line, you put the wall right there? It's like, uh, who's... I'm like, no, I'm I'm the guy lying down behind. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> taking not, this yep. blast to the face. <laughs> I'm not taking the blast to the face. No, <laughs> sir. <Mm-mm. laughs> I like it though. What do you think, David? It's a good idea. I like it. I just think they should fucking stop the clock when the ball goes out of bounds. <laughs> when when stop, David hates yeah. stoppage time drives David nuts. It's He's a, like, what the fuck just is the happening? randomness of it. I, I actually have enjoyed the fact that the nine minutes are awarded, which is a lot. I watch <laughs> Premier League and Championship League. They don't do that. <laughs> And it makes no sense to me. I, so I like that part of it. They're making it more even. But stop the fucking clock. Allow free subs. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't care. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm an old man struggling to keep up with 30 NBA teams and 29 G League I watched, I watched Ciudad de Mexico last night. Okay? They did not play very well. They're better than that, I think. I watched Jaheel Okafor. All right? For, for, for those of you who don't know, that is Mexico City yeah. in English. That's how I watched them. And they played very – they got blown out by the Austin Spurs. Um, and Okafor didn't play very well, but yeah, that's, and I watched tape beforehand of Okafor. So here we go. <laughs> well, actually, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but no, we, we love all that. Anyway, everybody, it, you know, keep your eyes open, but also there's some fun things to happen at the same time. See, you can be like Henry and us and be diligent and being like, this is bullshit. Nope, nope, nope. But also here's a radical idea for you guys. <laughs> you can do both. Both things can happen at the right, same time. That's right. Um, all right. Last bit of somber news before we uh, move into more fun stuff. Um, longtime NBA head coach and player Paul Silas passed away uh, over the weekend. He's a three-time champion uh, as a player. He's a coach for a number of years. He's obviously the father. Well, not obviously if you don't know. He is the father of Houston Rockets head coach Stephen Silas. Um, and, you know, Paul is one of those guys like an NBA lifer and, you know, super well-respected by so many people in and around the league. And David, I know you have a Paul Silas story you'd like to share. Yeah, I may have inferred to it. I may have referred to it once before a little bit. But when LeBron was a rookie, Paul Silas was his head coach. His first head coach. And yeah. in one of their games in summer, I went to a summer league in 03 because my first ever player was playing. I had other players playing in summer league, but the guy that ended up making it was playing. So he was a rookie for a different team. So all the games were in Orlando. But LeBron's games, the first that first year, they were in the big arena. They moved it to a a complex, the RDB complex later on, but uh, LeBron's games were in the arena. I remember going to the first game, sitting in the stands. The second or third game, I was sitting uh, right behind LeBron's bench. I was, not, I was not in the media at this point. This was 2003. Paul sat right next to me. He was not coaching the game. And I don't remember if it was during the game or after the game, but I remember asking him. He didn't know me. I was, I was a nobody in the NBA world. Why were you playing LeBron at point guard? And I don't remember what he said. I remember disagreeing with the idea that he should be a point guard because I thought he was so good as a, as a potential offensive rebounder. I thought he'd be mm-hmm. better served that way. Now, when I look back, I, I think they were the right to do that. For a guy like him, Kawhi, 
Paul George, Giannis. I think I think the guys that have a chance to be the primary alpha scorers on your on your team at that position, play them at point smart. Let them see the game from that perspective. Force them to work on their handle, or they'll never be good. Like in other words, Andrew Wiggins should have been made point guard his first year. Really, that's how I think now. But my point is, a year later, I go to summer league, and one of my my first ever first round pick was drafted, and I'm talking to a high level executive from a team, and he could not have been less interested in talking to me, even after he knew he drafted my player that I've been training. <laughs> and Paul Salas was a total gentleman with me. We had a nice conversation about why he thought he was playing about point that first summer. I don't even remember if I share with him my views. I just asked him, why not off the ball so we could rebound more? And he was just a gentleman. And I, it, to me, you know, decency matters, always has to me. But I've never forgotten that, that this guy – I was literally nobody in the NBA world, and he could not have been more of a gentleman to me. So I've always appreciated that. That's my Paul Salas story. Yeah. Do you know where he went to college? Uh, I do not. Creighton. Creighton. I'm watching them tonight, actually. They play at 9 o'clock tonight. Yeah, that's amazing. And then the other thing, I, the other Paul Salas fact I have is that I just looked this up to make sure I wasn't imagining it, but um, he was a first cousin of the Pointer Sisters. Yes, he yes, How he about was. that? Yeah. How about that? Mm-hmm. I bet that was a great cousin to have. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> I, enjoy seeing those. I got my, you, you, yeah, my, my cousins are pretty good singers. Yeah. You ever heard of them? There would have been some good concerts <laughs> right there. <laughs> I would like that. Yeah. No, no, that's uh, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, condolences, rest in peace to uh, Paul Salas and condolences to his family. Um, again, one of the legendary, uh, you yep. know, longtime NBA figures. Um, moving on to on the court play. Over the weekend, we had a fairly big game. ABC did its first Saturday night primetime game. You know, so I feel like ABC sneaks those games in. Like, I didn't know about it. I'm like, it, it's. Like, I was like, wait a minute, you guys didn't do any. Where was all the commercials? Like, it's our first one of the night. None of that. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait. This is on ABC. Anyway, it was the finals rematch. Another Sunday. guy who used to do or used to be in charge of that marketing plan, and he works for Fubo now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that out there. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, that that yep makes sense. That tracks. That tracks, yeah. as they say. Um, <laughs> there was a rematch: Celtics versus um, the Warriors. And David, we, David and I talked about this, Henry. I was a little, we were a little worried at the start of the season, right? As most people were. Like, when the Emi Udoka situation happened, we were like, oh, crap. That was going to happen to Boston Celtics. That's bad timing, right? The day before training camp. Eh, seemed to be fine, right? They're, they're okay do, do, doing their thing. And the Warriors maybe have a little championship hangover, though I think it's not that as much as, like, the younger guys really didn't play to the level they wanted to play. And, and, and Clay Thompson was yes. struggling. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, you know, anyway, in that game, Warriors, right? Un- unlock that championship defense. We're doing their thing. The whole nine Celtics looked a little bit out of sorts. Um, but coach, you heard Jeff Van Gundy say something that drove you crazy, which is, you know, I know it, it's important because you don't watch the games with sound on. So if you make it a point to tell me, I'm like, oh, well, this must be good because you never listen to this. Yeah, I was like, so. I was watching Synergy when I caught it. Um, <laughs> there, so it really wasn't about it. It was a blowout. The Warriors mm-hmm. swamped them. Right. And uh, uh, Boston really struggled offensively, partly because of Golden State. And Clay Thompson's really coming on. And, and Steph Curry is a very good shooter, shockingly, still. Um, <laughs> he doesn't do it every night, but he does it often. Uh, he's having a great season. But it was a blowout. And I wanted to hear, I just was watching that because it, it, over the weekend, we had two incidents. I didn't see either, but I know about them, where Zion, I think, got a dunk mm-hmm. in a blowout and yep. Rudy Gobert scored. I don't remember if it was a dunk mm-hmm. or not. 
And there was a problem with the other team who wasn't really trying. And Jeff, we'll get to that. Right. So Jeff Van Gundy said, he, he, if you, he's like, if you don't want them to score, play defense. And I, I completely agree with Jeff Van Gundy. And then he said, or I wouldn't have minded if you wrapped him upside the head. And that is wow. what I minded. Because <laughs> yeah. not that I think, hey, kids out there, like there's 11 kids watching a blowout win. But <laughs> it, does reach, it does reach the mist and dissipates into the crowd. And as someone who's been spending a lot of time over my life working with teenagers, and I'm not totally removed from that, and even starting a new business where I might be doing that again a little bit. Um, I don't want anyone punching anyone in the head for any reason at all on a basketball court. I don't, I don't think it's right. I agree with Jeff. I, I would, someone, of course, as soon as it happened, I started getting texts from young coaches I mentor. They just write, they just write thoughts with a question mark, as if I'm only watching one game. So I write back thoughts about what? <laughs> I, mean, I, can, I can show you this. Oh, you got them. I know you got them. You got yeah, but I have no idea. So no topic in it. Exactly. So I write back thoughts on what? Like I can almost have that as a, just like just two letters in automatically thoughts. what it means. Like, what? Do, I don't know. Oh, I get a lot of yeah. thoughts. Um, like, stop the goddamn clock. Right. When the soccer ball goes out. That's my yeah. first thought. I quit, I quit, I quit guessing as a goalie, but, but I digress. So, um, I, I, so I normally say to these people, coach your team, just coach your team. Don't worry about the other team at all, especially when they're not like punching you in the head. They're, if your biggest complaint is they're dunking at the end of the game because you let them score, coach your team. If you don't want that to happen, coach your team up. Uh, Jeff also made a point of saying he doesn't mind if the other team up 30 tries to score. I also agree. I don't think you should leave your best players in. I, don't, I just don't think it's smart. And I don't think you should run anything fancy. But like back in my day when I was coaching the 80s, you didn't take threes up 30. Thankfully, it was pretty much never down big, but we were up big a lot. We, now I didn't even care, but back then threes were a big deal because I was year one of my coaching was the first year threes were in, in national high school rules. Uh, we just played basketball. It was my third string in, and I asked them just to play basketball, except for the uh, basically you know the last thirty seconds of the game. We're going to hold the ball, and that for me for high school kids it was a discipline thing. We are never going to try to embarrass our opponent. We are always going to be respectful of the game. And so we would just run the clock out. And if you did something through a behind the back pass, anything to show up our opponent, you were out of my rotation. Because I was trying to instill discipline in teenage boys. This is the NBA. Play basketball. And, and don't, on the other hand, if you don't want them to score, play defense, don't punch them in the head. I, and I think Jeff was trying to be cute and funny. Mm -hmm. It's his brand. Mm -hmm. And my only point is enough for that brand. I think the Van Gunnies are very nice men. Seems to me... Their sensibilities are in the right place. That is not cool anymore. Punching guys in the head for no reason is stupid. Henry, where do you stand on this? Oh, punch everybody in the head all the time. <laughs> yep, He's English. <laughs> He's English. I grew up. He's a hooligan. That's how they settle fights. <laughs> yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> I love it. You big baby. <laughs> No, you know, in, in pro sports, that's always been my thing, right? And that's sort of my issue with, like, baseball that drives me nuts. When a pitcher gets mad that a guy stares at his home run so long, Whatever. I'm like, well, next time, how about you get him out? Whatever. Like, yeah. I, like, right? Like, I don't, like, I agree. well, next time I'm going to throw a baseball at your head because you stared yeah. too long. It's like, Whatever. dude, you get paid to not let him do that. How about next time, do better at your job, right? Like, <laughs> and I don't, I, I think it's a mistake to let your pride be on the line, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Zion dunked. You know what? That's what Zion does. Right. He, he like, does it when you're playing defense too. Up, yeah. <laughs> if that messes up your, if you think that something important happened 
to you or how the world views you and your team because Zion dunked, like why, how could that possibly be the situation? <laughs> right? Like yeah. that guy's about to dunk on you right. at all times. Like he's Zion goddamn Williamson. Like, like prepare for that emotionally. Don't let right. get all shattered because of it. Right. Like next play. Right. You know? I, like, I talked to like, a, do your thing. I, I, you're going to like this guy. I talked to a guard this weekend, a very, very good defensive player, very tough guy. And I saw one of his games where his opponent, who was much taller than him on a particular play, scored over him and did the too little thing. I, I don't, my players would never have done that when I was high school coach. We were not showing up the opponent, but it happens in the NBA all the time. So I asked him very, uh, I didn't know what he was going to say. Like, how does that make you feel? And he's like, whatever. Like, I don't care. He doesn't, he's a good dude. I'm smaller than him, but he's right. I am too little. I am too I little. I play good defense. He scored over me. Whatever. <laughs> and I was proud of him for that. Like, you, you can't control your size, buddy. He did the best he could. He scored over you. Whatever. Yeah. I like that part of it. I don't like them suddenly being sensitive when they're not even trying. Whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm with that too, right? Like, if you don't want them to score, like, then just play, play better D. Yeah. Like, all the They still might right? score, by the way. Right. And, but it's fine. Like to Henry's point, like if your ego now is damaged because the thing that they are paid to do, but you know that. So what, why is it, why is it a thing now? Right. This is honor culture stuff, right? right. Like there's like, like, you know, and I think that it's, you're never going to stop players from engaging in this, right. This uh, showing people up thing. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a big part of sports, right. Mm -hmm. It's a little weird when the coach gets in on it though. Like (laughs) I feel like the coach should be a force of reason here. Right. And just like, (laughs) It's a little weird when the coach is like, no, you go wrap him upside the head. It's like, <laughs> coach. Yeah, come on. Like, like you're supposed to be this wiser one mm-hmm. here, right? Like, mm-hmm. like we're not, like, honestly, honor culture, I mean, I've read some boring essays. I don't know, I'm happy to talk about it if you want, but, like, <laughs> it's kind of a sexually motivated thing, right? This is like we're trying mm-hmm. to show who the big man right. is. Correct. Right? Correct. Like, old guy <laughs> on the side, you're going to play that game? Yeah. Like, what I, do you, I mean, how much testosterone are you self-munting if you're, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Like, you're supposed side. to be older and wiser and like not sexually competitive with these people, right? Like that's the theory anyway. But, yeah. yeah. Except, yeah, except the old habits die hard, right? <laughs> Especially now that you can buy it over the counter. You know? yeah. <laughs> yes, we are talking anyway. Um, <laughs> David, you want? I'm to- sorry. I, I no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. It, listen, listen, listen. Uh, testosterone supplements and all, no, it's fine. We this is. Listen. Anybody want to sponsor us? We're happy. <laughs> We're literally going to have ads for that right now. Yeah. Uh, David, you wanted to make a point about James Wiseman before we go to our first commercial break. Oh, yeah. Just to, just to finish the thought on the Warriors, um, I caught four straight Santa Cruz Warriors games. And um, a week ago, we talked about James Wiseman was still struggling defensively. He, he's made a nice jump. He is not the big puppy dog on defense anymore. He, he's not perfect. Offensively, he dunks everything. He, he's everything the Warriors thought he was as an athlete. His hands were so much better. They were pretty good to begin with, I thought. They're much, much better now. Uh, I mean, dunks that you don't expect. All of, he's hey, 10 feet away. It's just so huge. It's very fast. I wish he'd pass more. I think he should. Uh, I just think he doesn't have to try to score against two guys all the time. But he, he made a really big leap, effort-wise, all over the place. Uh, their other, their other, uh, they have three guys playing for Santa Cruz. The kid Patrick Baldwin had a huge game last mm-hmm. night. I'm not impressed with him yet. They have a guard named Ryan Rollins, who I think is going to be the, the G League player of the week this week. He's been nothing short of extraordinary. He's 20 years old. He's got a lot of – to me, he's C.J. McCollum, but longer and probably a better decision-maker mm-hmm. at 20. But um, 
He's got some Jordan Poole in his game. Those guys can be really good together. So, but basically, when you think about who they have three years from now, four years from now, if they keep this team together, uh, Rollins at one, Jordan Poole at two, James Weissman at five, Andrew Wiggins maybe mm. still at, at three. Like, like if, I don't know who's going to be coaching or running the team anymore. Bob Myers, I think, is still without a contract. I think yes. in a couple of days, his contract is up, and he has no extension yes. yet. Mm-hmm. That's kind of newsy. But um, they've got, like, those, they're, that, that team has won four straight, and it's their, it's their assigned players from the roster that have won the G League, those games. They're really, really talented and young. They, they, they've, got some, they've got some assets going forward. This is what Joe Lightyear's wanted, right? <laughs> he wanted this, this two-time this two track. We can win now and also win in the future at the same time. It's like, all right, buddy. We'll uh, see. I think you'll see Weissman and Rollins for the Warriors soon. They, the G League takes like a 10-day break uh, mm-hmm. after the 16th. And so I would not at all be surprised to see those guys dressing for the Warriors and playing for them. Both of them look like NBA players. And well, certainly in Rollins' case, he never looked like one in the G League, and now he does. Weissman's had his moments, but defensively he gets lost. He just looks like he's made a little bit of progress defensively, a lot of progress on offense. David, are they, do the Warriors have these good young players because they develop them or because they pick them or both? Well, talent-wise, I mean, the, the Warriors trade, uh, spent $2 million trading to draft Ryan Rollins. Uh, I have no way of knowing if they're developing anybody. Uh, I mean, it's been three years for Weissman. He only now he's showing signs. It might just be accumulated games. What I always tell people is everyone can get better naturally. People like me, our goal is to help you develop unnaturally, meaning faster than normal, right? Not through creatine or whatever. We we just want you a faster developing game because you're going to get, if you play chess every day for a month, I promise you game third will be better than day one. Same as basketball. It's been three years for James. He's finally not jumping for every shot fake he sees. (laughs) Nonetheless, they drafted talented guys. Patrick Baldwin, I'm not sure about. He's got to shoot great for the. He was a McDonald's All American. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lottery pick. They got him second round, I think, or maybe late first. I'm not. I'm not sold on him yet. But the other two guys are super, super talented guys. And obviously, I've always loved Weissman. I, I his aggressiveness. I've really liked how aggressive Weissman's been going after rebounds, not just scoring. He always want to dunk the ball. So I, like I said, I think you're going to see them. The, the Warriors need more paint buckets. They're mm-hmm. bottom five, I think, in paint scoring. Uh, James would help that. We will be right back after this brief commercial break. Okay, so I thought something interesting. You know, Henry David often says these things that are like pearls of wisdom, and I write them down or I notate them, and he often likes when I recite them back to him. It's a little game we play here. <laughs> but, <laughs> that, that is an ad lib. All right, I've never once said it. You can quote whoever you want. <laughs> but one of the things I love that David says is that playing time is like oxygen uh, for young players, right? And they need it to like, to, we just talked about development, right? Um, and breathing is just so important. It was a game uh, Saturday, second night of a back-to-back uh, for the Nets and the Pacers both. Um, and the Nets sat, I want to say, all the regular rotation starters and most of the rotation guys that come off the bench. So eight or nine guys were out. Um, and it made me think of David's playing time as like oxygen. Because Markeith Morris, who played because he's not in the regular rotation, said for the Pacers, it was a trap game because we didn't have nine players and they kind of played down to the level of competition, if that's what they want to call it. We just played hard. My message to the guys was enjoy the moment. Enjoy this because you don't get this time when you get seven or eight players out. You can actually go out here and just play with no worries and play extended minutes. And I thought that was so awesome because here's here's Markeith basically parroting David, right? You can play free, no worries, like no one looking over you because... 
You've got no one behind you if you mess up. So just play. How, David, can teams create more of an environment of that where players aren't constantly looking over their shoulder like shit? If I screw up, I'm going to be out of the rotation for two weeks. We talk about that with Tom Thibodeau, right? Cam Reddish in the, in the rotation one minute, and he knows if I screw up, it's going to be two weeks before I see the floor again. Sure enough, he's out of the rotation right now. So first of all, uh, our dear friend John Hollinger created that PER stat. And I remember, I wouldn't even call it arguments, but I had good, I had good discussions back when I was at ESPN with the, 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 the idea of PER was to take out minutes played as an impact. Uh, you, you know, so scoring, rebounding, assists is a, is a traditional stat. Uh, but I would, as I said to John and Henry and others, the guy that's playing seven minutes you, he may have a lower PER, but part of the reason why is because he's only playing seven minutes. There, there is no freedom. There's no confidence that if I don't make a mistake here, I'm out. Pop is, Pop is famous for really convincing his players, just be open. And I've talked to Spurs players about this. Just be open. Like, we want you to shoot that ball when you're open. And uh, he ain't going to take you out if you miss. Uh, now the Spurs miss a lot this year. That's a whole different thing. But <laughs> actually, the defense is worse than everything. But um, yeah, you have to. You have to me. Regular rotations matter, and this is where Darvin Ham has really struggled. I think in LA, uh, when you know you're going to get certain minutes, you can kind of relax in those minutes and not worry about any one mistake. And then uh, Henry talked about this a long time ago when Pop started sitting guys. As we know, we know why now because of catapult and everything. Uh, these other guys had a chance to really play and prove something. And what's funny about the whole uh, Nets thing is the Pacers just beat the Warriors in the mm-hmm. same boat. Tyrese Halliburton didn't play. Miles Turner, I don't think, played. Mm-hmm. The, the Warriors knew they were going to win that game, and they didn't because mm-hmm. Andrew Nemar had no backup. T.J. McConnell didn't play. So Andrew had no question he was going to be in no matter what happened. Uh, it, it makes a difference. And so to me as a coach, you want to build that. Uh, I think our coaches, going back to Henry's whole thing about pride, whatever, um, and, and just that the way some of these guys rule, uh, they're doing the opposite. They're sucking out the spirit of these players who just need to know, I, I'm going to try to block this guy's shot. I think I can do it without fouling. And if I have a consequence of failing and I get yanked out, I'm not going to go for it. Well, now you're guaranteed not to make the play. Same with shooting, passing, dribbling, all of it. There's a balance there. But our coaches, I don't think, are great in the league at, at creating that. And when they do it, we see what happens. I remember um, the the opposite of Royal Jelly, like the wor- most constrictive, <laughs> like least trusting coaching thing I've ever seen was, um, I don't remember who was injured, but uh, young Jermaine O'Neal, when he was among the youngest players in the league, yeah, like 19 years. got into a playoff game for Mike Dunleavy. I think he was literally 17 yeah, when he first been, started yeah. playing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But maybe now he was 18 or right. 19. And, um, and they, I mean, it was like in the media that he like basically was not allowed to shoot or touch the ball on offense because he was so mistrusted. Right. So now, first of all, a, it didn't work. Like the team was terrible with him on the court, but be like, it was absolutely humiliating. Right. And so here's this guy who's like basically yanked already. Right. Like he's already basically towards the bench. Right. Right. And long story short, he went, finally went to a different team and was, I mean, Jermaine O'Neal was unbelievable. unbelievable. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, we it's like an undertold thing, and then he got in, hurt before he really got to like, but he was like, yeah, I mean, he awesome. was like an absolute stud. And Mike Dunleavy had him and turned him into somebody who hurts your team. Yeah. Like, what an L. Right, right. 
uh, these coaches, you know, just the best ones do it. Royal... The best ones do a great job of it. Yeah, they do. L- little royal jelly, man. It's all we need. A little bit. Um. All right. So we talked about <laughs> the uh, getting mad when guys are dunking on you late in games, whatever. Um, I, I want to talk about rivalries a bit. So rivalry is something that we all are familiar with, right? In sports, that's the thing that we know about Duke, Carolina in college, Michigan, Ohio State, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on in every sport. There's one. Um, it's been said that in the NBA, it's harder to do that. Um, we had it in the eighties, say Lakers, Celtics, all that, but because of player movement and all this stuff, you don't have that same three, four, five, six, seven, eight year history of running into the same team and guys over and over. Right. But we might have something happening with Phoenix and New Orleans. Um, and it's kind of cool. So first, how do you guys feel about rivalries in sports? What do you think? I have my own thoughts, Henry. <laughs> I'm, I know well, you have thoughts. David. I earlier <laughs> said punch him in the head. So that's <laughs> kind of. So that, yep. So you're, yeah, you're, you're in. You know where I stand. You're, you're yeah. in on rivalries. Yep. <laughs> no, like, ideally they develop naturally, right? Yes. Like in a, I, I know that the TV executives like, Try to, try to force to them up yes. all the time, right? And it's mostly felt thin, right? Mm-hmm. I think you really need to have super painful yes. years of like playoff losses when you were going to win a championship mm-hmm. to that team before you really mm-hmm. like British soccer style just hate them enough to consider it a rivalry, right? Like, I we don't usually have it doesn't usually happen that way, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. it's just we don't have much, but. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we can cook them up now and again. <laughs> uh, we, well, Henry's not wrong. They're human beings. So if, if it's the same team kicking your ass all the time, you're going to develop even more of a distaste for them. But generally speaking, well, first of all, I, what I feel doesn't matter because I'm not coaching a team. I hate everybody. Yeah. I mean, during, during the course of time of game prep and then game management, I hate, I hate those motherfuckers. It's a special day on this yeah. show, I think. I, 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 I just want to destroy everyone we're playing against. Yeah. That's just, but they're just, they're just numbers on a page. I don't care about them individually. This same dude has a famous quote he used all the time, which is everybody love everybody. Mm, that's my, I hate everyone. It is it's beautiful, no, man. It's just numbers on but, Yeah, so my point, but so my point is there is no rivalry. They're all rivalries. And and I would tell you, I mean, ninety-nine percent of the conversations I've had with players about this kind of subject, um, you guys, we've all told this before. Man, these guys grew up playing against these guys. And then with these guys, you know, they might have they might have gone to a camp and can be competitive, and then they're both in the All Star game in the same team. Mm-hmm. That we you see after every game, that there's a lot of friendships. So yeah. I yeah. so I think Gerard, to your point, if if New Orleans continues to be a thorn in Phoenix's side, they're going to hate him maybe a little bit more. But you think Devin Booker likes anybody? You think Chris Paul likes anybody? <laughs> Mikael Bridges? <laughs> Fuck no, not during the game. I don't think they get up any more. And I think the consequences of the game matter most. You get them in the postseason, emotions are even higher. Yeah, I think it's more of a of a media narrative. For college, it's different because they're younger. Yeah, for sure. The professional, I, I say this all the time. Man, these guys can go for next, to quote Adina, during the game. <laughs> and afterwards, they can be friends, and they're just fine. I know Jordan made it famous to really hate the other guy. The reality is you can do both. You can absolutely try to kill the other team. But you're still a husband and a father or this, and a son or a brother after the game and be normal, too. Well, I think it's the changing of the times, too, that make it not like that, right? So in the 80s, right, if, you're, if this is the 80s, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson would not have played AAU basketball together, right, at tournaments and seen each other all summer. It's not a thing, right? 
oh yeah, I played that guy in college one time. And then how it gets, right? that's, that's how it works. But now with how these players are, as you said, David, they've seen these kids since they were eight years old. They've been either teammates or they play, right? So it's not a, it's not as ingrained like, oh, here's that dude you never heard of, like coming and take, it's like, what? I've known him since I was eight years but, old. Like, but even, ma- but even, mag- so first of all, Will Chamberlain helped kind of mentor uh, Kareem, Luol Cinder. Uh, Magic and Bird were, I mean, the only picture I have of players in my office isn't of my son. It's a, a Bird Magic uh, post, a picture that I have, a great frame picture. They became incredible friends while they were competing. Isaiah and Magic kissed each other before games. Like, they're, 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 there's, you can do both. You can want to beat their brains in and be friends afterwards and before. And, uh, and so I don't know that it matters anymore that they're a particular franchise. And they might be, they might be your teammates next year or next week. <laughs> we're in trade season right now. Right, it might well, be next week. You, you know who's not kissing before the game? Chris Paul and Jose Alvarado will not be sharing any smooches pregame. That ain't Did something happen. There's just I saw the overtime. I didn't see the Jose, game. Jose, it's like Henry said this all the time. You know who Chris Paul would hate to have as a teammate? Chris Paul, yeah. right? Like yeah. Jose, Jose is just like another. It's like a yeah. younger version of Chris. I mean, not as good, obviously, offensively and all the other stuff. But like in terms of like getting under your skin and all that, he went to the Chris Paul school of annoying the fuck out. Like that like D&D character rating of like just <laughs> pestiness or whatever. Like, like they're both rated. And apparently, rated like uh, I spoke to someone who knows Jose really well. Jose was a trained boxer when he was younger. Uh, so he makes really dumb. He could beat everyone's brains in. That makes sense. Yeah. He's unbelievable as a chaos creator. And now is the he's the he's the he's the high. He, no one scored more points in one game uh, as an undrafted player in NBA history than that guy when he had thirty eight last week. I think it was number one all time. Mm-hmm. Number mm-hmm. one all time. Pretty amazing. So yeah, there's. Wow. Uh, I get it. I get. You're right, Gerard. I, they're, they're not going to be exchanging Christmas cards, as we would say, or Hanukkah cards. No. Yeah. <laughs> not, not so much. Henry, you were going to say something before I talked about Chris Ball and Jose Alvarado. How did you know that? Because I, I just, I have a sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was just thinking, um, Seinfeld has a joke about, like, you're rooting for laundry, right? Mm-hmm, he's like, mm-hmm. the players training down. Um, mm-hmm. And if you, you know, get metaphysical about it and boil it down, like, what are we rooting for? Like, it's ultimately the, you know, owner, right? That's the who the franchise is, right? Everyone else comes and goes, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where I think, like, you know, there's this little story of... Um, the uh, uh, Mickey, oh crap! Um, Aronson, my story. Well, yeah, but um, there was a little anecdote of Pat Riley was super mad that LeBron was still friends with Dwayne Wade, <laughs> right? Yes. And he thought that after LeBron let them down, like you mm-hmm. know, they would all shun LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, you know, but I think in the end, like Pat Riley's on the team of Mickey Arison, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that NBA billionaires are so kind of creepy we could talk about mickey Harrison for hours right like <laughs> yeah doesn't help this rivalry thing correct right like ultimately yeah. who's in mickey Harrison's corner right like you know pat riley like how far how does that circle extend it doesn't didn't seem to catch Dwayne wade you know yeah. like yeah no. anyway, so i think that's like if, if you had a team that was like some idealized fable of who at the heart of the team mm-hmm some Ted Lasso version, then we might have a little more rivalries because you really believe in your franchise. And we, we talked about at the top of the show with the kind of people we think are coming in. Don't think we're going to have too many of those friends or those guys lassoing you on to uh, people, right? I don't think that's happening. It's trickier than it used to be. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Jose Alvarado and David, you 
want to talk about how teams take advantage of players like Jose as it relates to contracts. Yeah. So when uh, Jose looked like he was going to be, a, I think it was a two-way player, and they want to convert mm-hmm. him. And a very close friend of his, um, mentor, whatever you want to call it, reached out to me and said, uh, I, don't, I don't know who Jose's agent was or is. I don't follow any of that stuff typically. I probably know, you know less than 1% of who represents whom in this. I know a lot of the agents, but I don't follow it. Uh, so he said, he, the, the Pelicans, have, and you could check to see what the actual offer was, but I think he said they're offering a four-year deal. Uh, almost nothing guaranteed. Maybe one year guaranteed. Uh, and my friend who knows the league pretty well said, I don't think he should do it, but I want to get your opinion. I said, well, I definitely don't think he should do it. He should bet on himself. This guy is absolutely shown to me to be an NBA player and he should just play it out. Uh, uh, D- uh, Daniel house did this for the Rockets when he was mm-hmm. a two way player. He didn't, he didn't take Daryl Morey's bullshit deal. And I'm not criticizing the agent, the, the GMs for doing it. They have this, the point here, they have the players uh, with a lot of leverage and the players have almost no leverage. Daniel house said, screw you. I'm playing out my, my deal, and then I'll be a free agent. And then I don't think Daniel Howell's a very good player, but he signed for decent money for a few years. Uh, but there was a risk there. The risk is you may get nothing for lots of things can happen. And so I think, if I remember correctly, Jose took the bullshit deal that the Pelicans mm-hmm. knew he probably had to take because he could disappear tomorrow and not be a player. Uh, I don't know that he's so replaceable, but I don't know that he necessarily believed that. So I've always advised players to bet on themselves. I can tell you it hasn't always worked. It typically would have worked. It doesn't always work. So there's two sides of it. I wish there was a better way for them to do it, but GMs are smart now. They know when they've got a player who's got very little leverage, they'll get many years from him for very little money and not even guaranteed. And this type of thing, though, right, is how a team like the Pelicans, because they have so many guys that eventually will need to get paid, how they're able to maybe one day win a championship, right? Because Jose Alvarado, who a, a year from now should be looking at being paid, I don't know, I should make it up a number, $18 million, except he's not. He's getting paid $2 million, right. right? So now I got money for that's all right. this other stuff, right? That's the that's sort of the yin and yang of this. And that's that bonus wins, right? Like, I bet on the bonus wins he's chart, good. he's probably looking pretty good yeah. for, and versus how much money he's actually being paid. Yeah. Which is why CJA should pay for dinner. <laughs> always yes yeah, hey all and zion because his extension will kick in next year you get all the dips. Listen, yeah, just to finish the thought on the pelicans whom we wrote about on thursday of last week through zion's eyes um through his story who, who's playing like an mvp player i would think over the weekend anyway uh alvarado's getting paid bupkis and he's an unbelievable defender in his in his own way chaos creator dyson daniels might be the best defender in this draft there's three rookies oh, yeah, really we're good, pushing we're ahead He's getting paid lottery money, but that's still not a lot of money. And Herb Jones was second round pick a year ago, and he he that even less money. Three fucking brilliant defensive players. The end of the game against the Suns, it was Daniels, the nineteen year old rookie, on Chris Paul. Like, and, and Herb Jones is their stopper, and Jose was guarding Chris Paul. So, like, yeah, this is you're exactly right, Sharad. They, they've got because of good drafting and good mm-hmm. development, whatever you want to call it. They're getting major play from very lowly, low, lower paid players. That makes a big story. Thank you, Los Angeles Lakers, for take, giving us all your draft capital for Anthony Davis. We appreciate it. <laughs> um, you know, Coach, you mentioned uh, Dyson Daniels. So we've been seeing something lately. Oftentimes, and Henry, you know this, rookies tend to be net negatives on your teams and back on the floor just because the game's really hard and they don't know what they're doing and it's just shit happens. But... The last year, especially with Evan Mobley, Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, 
we saw rookies be super impactful defenders as like and not just on the epm like a net zero or a plus 0.5 no like plus one plus two plus three like oh you're an impactful defender coach why do we think young players come into league rookies are being so impactful on defense from day one uh i i I always try to be honest on this show um i don't really know i i've thought i've thought a lot about it and i need to study it more but it, it really henry's right it's so hard to play defense in this league the, the, and the tactics are getting better. So you're having to guard these amazing players, but also worry about as a health defender too. Uh, I think I, my guess is initially they're better on the ball. Mm. And that, uh, I mean, if you suck off the ball, that at least if you're not being targeted, that's a, that's yeah. a big step in the right direction. That's a win. You can't, you can't, there's three rookies where you couldn't target Herb or Evan last year successfully. Nope. Uh, this year you've got Jabari Smith Jr. just did a great job on Giannis. I've not yet watched the tape of that because I spent 30 minutes on the phone arguing with Travis and Henry about goalkeeping and <laughs> penalty kicks. Uh, so we did. As soon as I hung up, I, I queued up synergy, but I had a lot of other things to watch. I didn't catch you just out of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, we had we, we show. Time. so I'm going to watch it, but I know this, they were talking about it and Jabari Smith, who, who also was six foot 10 and can really shoot. is trying to come around. Uh, and then Daniels and, and Nemhard with, with the Pacers, those guys are getting primary assignments. And I give the coaches a ton of credit for having the confidence in their rookie. And they're going to make mistakes, but wow, the reference points they're getting now you're for postseason this year, postseason next year, you are building the next Kawhi like, I don't mean they're Kawhi Leonard, but the, you, to know, okay, well, Herb Jones might be. Wait, a different Kawhi? Yeah. Which Kawhi are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> I, I, I defense, I mean, Herb, Kawhi was the defensive yeah. Kawhi before he became the MVP Kawhi, MVP level yeah. player. Uh, these guys, all those guys, and Jose is a little bit different. He's not a lockdown guy as much as just what a pain in the ass to go against. And there's a lot to be said for that. You can build a defense around that. So, um, yeah, I have to do more research, and I want to talk to some coaches. And I metrics probably a lot to do with it. They have a better the synergy, the scouting. All of that is there, too. And maybe also it's just so hard to get on the court. One of the best ways I tell every rookie, uh, there's three things I really focus on, and I, I won't go on all three, but one of them is on-ball defense. If, if your coach can play you and know you're not going to be targeted and cause lots of problems for your defense in general, you have a better chance to get on the court. So it matters. Michael Porter I, Jr., are you listening? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I've had uh, I have two theories, um, one of which just occurred to me while Dave was talking. Um, theory number one is the advanced analytics that are you know changing a lot in the game, I think have shown that a lot of older players who have reputations as great defenders or aren't. Not. For sure. Right? So I think there's like there have been some like – some players who would have been in guarding Chris Paul on that play are now on the bench, right? There's like, this has been a, that's, some opportunities have opened from that's just people looking bad, right? Um, but here's my new theory, and I haven't thought about it more than 30 seconds, but um, these guys, this generation, Evan Mobley, Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, Jabari Smith, are the first players who had their whole development in a three-point era. Mm-hmm. right so if like the challenge of defense in the NBA now is just racing everywhere like mm-hmm. they've played basketball that way you know, the first the first ones who grew up playing that way all the way through mm-hmm. maybe they're just better at it I like it I like it it's a good theory what do you think David total horseshit no no definitely not true? I'm just trying to do the, trying <laughs> to do the math on, on when when all this happened um, I think your first point just go with it really, your first point was <laughs> your first point was really great there's a lot of guys who okay, are nearly okay. as good a defensive player as and metrics metrics show that um, uh, you know strength training you, you, weak players can't don't have a chance and, oh, and we I should see. throw 
we should throw he's a little bit older now but he's still young jaron jackson jr came wow. back and I'm like, you know what I mean? he came back i think he had five blocks the other day tell me if i'm wrong i think he had a five he sure did we're coming right off of and so and i only bring that up i'm the dumbass who thought that he was the best prospect in the draft and I'm, no, no, I'm yeah, not no, as dumb. We're, I mean, we're staying Lucas, on that train. Lucas. We're staying on that train. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're staying on the Jaron Jackson I, train. I, I, don't I suddenly. I, think <laughs> I, I mean, basically, what I thought was that he was Tim Duncan 2.0. I thought it could be the best defensive player in the land and make threes. That's the only reason why I said it. Which he can do. I, I think maybe he can. He was not a good defense player as a rookie. No. Now? Come on now. He could, he could be DPOI this year. And he could shoot Made 35 plus percent last year. from three. Yeah, first team last year. Like, I may not – Luca. I mean, I don't see how I can win that argument unless they win a championship. Well, no, we, we talked about this, David. The idea is we had, a, you had a, we had a pretty good idea of what Luca's ceiling is going to be, right? Like, how, I don't know how much better he's going to get at basketball than he already is right yeah, but now. What does that matter? He, he might be the best. No, no, no. But, yeah. but with Jaron, it's like, but wait, I think there's so much still to like, – I can see potentially more, right? Like, you can see, ooh. You really get this thing now. You're like fucking. I didn't know, you know. he'd be. I mean, I, honestly, I thought Luca would be an all star. I I don't know that I. I don't remember ever thinking, oh, he's gonna win a couple. No, you thought he'd be an MVP. Yeah, I don't remember not when he was in, when he was for Real Madrid. I don't remember because I watched him a lot when he was in Europe. But Jackson, I thought could be Tim Duncan 2.0. So um, if I'm one for two, I, I can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, Jackson is a fucking great guy to watch. That guy plays more Memphis Grizzlies talk. Yep, this is a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. (laughs) If if it comes across as like the stat geeks, like Jaron Jackson Jr. more than Luca, like Twitter is going to put us on a spit and just roast us over a fire. Like, (laughs) like you guys have seen Luke, like y'all got TVs out there in Brooklyn. Like, you see Luca play, you know what I mean? Luca's on, Luca's on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me more Jaron Jackson Jr., please. Listen, look at yeah, but he reduces a point of field goal percentage on the rim. Like, like, Shut up. If, if, Luca, if Luca ends up being ben, Tim Duncan, great for Luca. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, great for Luca. I, I'm not disagreeing right. with either of you. Right. <laughs> or just no, like, play, like, like this, this is when the fandom comes right. in, right? When you're like, like, I don't care what that says. I like Jared. I'll, I'll go back. Luca to, doesn't make a lot of highlights. I'll, I'll go back to what I said about the opponent during a game. I hate everybody. You don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate everybody. I hate you. It's true. It's true. You hate everybody. Right. <laughs> I love it. All right. It is time now for our fun little segment, Contender or Pretender. So, Henry, this is how this works. David gives me a team, and he asks me, Gerard, can, and I'm like, ooh, I have no idea what he's going to say. And I do the same. I give him a team he doesn't think. Now, David and I have been doing this for a long time. Together, we probably have, I don't know, just – you and I, David, over 100 shows probably by now. Oh. Maybe something like that. Oh, just you and I, probably, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're starting to think alike now, so it's getting a little dangerous. So I have to have a backup team just in case this is the team that he gives. You know, we got to be ready. All right, so you go first, David. Who's the team for me? Okay, it's going to seem silly, but uh, I promise you it's not. We're talking about real contender here. Yeah. Okay. Where do you have Phoenix? Oh! <laughs> sons god damn it look i don't like how they're playing new orleans lately i just don't like it well, i'm asking I don't, I don't like it like so you know i think phoenix is a very good team Let me just for sure there yeah. and and so in that regard yes i think they're a contender but i think there are certain teams matchup wise for them that are problematic and new orleans fucking problem like too many long, rangy, wingy, athletic dudes. 
And you know I love the point guard, but 38 years old and 5'11", like that's not that's not a recipe for success. Well, just to finish that subject, then, have you seen Chris Paul play this season much? Uh, not great. Right. Like I, like I said great. the other day, Henry's been saying for years, not predicting Chris Paul will fall off a cliff. He was just saying when it does. The, 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 the data is the cliff yeah. is coming. And I joked on the phone today, you know, Chris Paul meet cliff. Like this might be it's, the year. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame because I, Chris is literally like all the whatever's aside, like one of the great players in the history of this league. Sure. And yeah. I love Amazing watching him player. play point guard. Yeah. And it, it actually like, this is when the emotional part of me comes out. It hurts me when guys I love watching can't play like that anymore. I'm like, oh, it's like it's embarrassing right. for me and, to and watch. I'm and, like, oh, no. and he's been out for a while. And if, yes. you know, Clay, even though Clay played last year, he was injured all summer again. And and Clay, to his credit, told us, "Give me some time here this some year." Time. He said, yeah. "Give me some time." Mm-hmm. Well, we had, we game time, and he's <laughs> stroking it again, right? And starting to guard a little bit. Uh, we're not we're not saying. Uh, Chris no. Paul can't do it, but you're, it's fair to it's fair to be suspicious, and so I I agree with you. They they've got real work to do. I'm not ready to write them off. No, uh, no. but it, that day could be coming. There's eight eight isn't as involved as he probably should well, be. Well, I was just gonna say an issue. he's not dominating like no. he's supposed. He's fourth to be, on the like... team in shots taken and shooting 68 percent or something from the field. Yeah, and Booker was out. I think at least one of these games. They, they've got doing? some work like, here. What? They've got some work here. So yeah, I'm yeah. So I'm Henry, not counting them out, but I'm Phoenix, you know. They're not going to win the championship. There we go. Right. It's kind of in the pretender category. All right, David. The Denver Nuggets. I I they're struggling. Their bench sucks. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, I think I'm not ready. To, I don't. I'm not a big fan of their coaches. You guys know, but Jokic is just yep. so good. And I, number four offense with number twenty. Yeah. Four defense, something like that. And I love, I love Jamal Murray. I love his competitiveness. I love his feistiness as a teammate. I'll, I've said this before. Henry knows when he was out with his injury, he was the biggest mm-hmm. cheerleader on the team. I just that's a mm-hmm. that's a love, love letter that. right to my heart. Uh, I think they have some players that they can move to get better defenders, and they've played defense before. It's not like they forgot how to coach defense. Um, I don't think they really believe. And, and so, but I would lean, I mean, listen, it's unlikely they're going to win a championship, but I, I, when you have Jokic on your team and Jamal and MPJ has been, eh, give, yeah, yeah. He's, I, I'm not ready to write him right off there. yet. It's still early. It's still, I mean, Boston at this point a year ago was like below 500. Correct. A lot can happen. Uh, if they don't have Jokic and you just have a good all-star there, I would say not a, not a contender this year, but with Jokic, who's still just so brilliant. Yeah. If you ever feel badly. Go get some ice cream or watch Jokic tape. Like he's just so brilliant to watch. Yeah, he's one of my favorite guys to watch on tape. Twenty seventh in defense, not great. Henry, thoughts about the Nuggets? They're not gonna win. Uh, well, I'm a Blazers fan. <laughs> oh, so that's right. So we're already out. Yeah, I think that's the best team in the world. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the way that game ended was 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 amazing. Right? I mean, that was that was very impressive. Uh, yeah, but uh, the the thing that is on my mind more about the Nuggets is um, last week there was a play. I'm thinking you probably both saw it where Jokic went like a hundred percent full speed, leading the break down the middle mm-hmm. of the floor, and then like finished. I want to say with like 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 in a reverse at like a million miles an hour, and he's just such a big man. And I was like, uh, it just lit me up a lot. I'm like, this is a little bit of like a this is a hungry MVP, <laughs> right? Like. I generally don't believe in this team and for all the reasons David outlined, like I just, you know, they seem sort of flawed and understaffed. Um, but, uh, but this, I was like, this dude is like, you know, 
five years ago he was legit overweight and he's like put in work so and good. he wants to crush people now yeah. and like i was like that's a big it's like it's like the shack years a little bit where i'm like man like when this huge man who's brilliant is that kind of motivated like look out stuff can happen it's yeah. hard to bet against yeah Cal- no, I, calvin booth runs a team now let's see how he does he's got to do some moves yeah and Mike Malone's got to coach better huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, we talked about that, right? Yeah. From alone. Yeah. I'm not, they play, if they play Matt again, it may not be yeah, there. Right. Really quick, David, do you know who is, I know, quiz time, Henry's favorite, who is fourth right now in the NBA, estimated plus minus? You know. You talk about him. He's had a great season, just like his team stinks, but they're winning, starting to win now. He's crushing it. Who? Anthony Davis. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's ridiculous, guys. He's yeah, playing like. I'm I'm that dude now, unfortunately. But he has been for a couple of weeks, except when he was out a couple of times. But mm-hmm. which you know is going to happen again, probably. But on the court, there's just it, the mistake the Lakers are making is they run their stuff, whether AD's in or not, and as if anyone else could do what AD can do on either end. Like, <laughs> yeah, I said like I said on the phone today when he misses the shot, I'm surprised. Any shot, free throws, anything. He just it looks like he looks like he's should be with Giannis on the alien team. Like no one yeah, who looks like that like should be that good. Jokic too. These gigantically tall men, but but AD and Giannis are better athletes than Jokic. Jokic is improved as an athlete. These guys are elite athletes. AD is See huge. That, that's that that's that's my future team right there. All seven footers. Giannis, AD. Jokic, Jokic is the point guard. Gian, well, Giannis. Yep. Giannis, all Giannis seven can be footers. point guard too. No little people. Giannis can be point my guard. My team is going to be all Jose Alvarado. <laughs> That would be so fun. So if they do that, here's what, here, here's what we do. Do not put the ball on the ground. It's catch and shoot every we, time. We do, no. we do a drill, guys. Every young, every high school team does it. Probably every every young AU team where you play five and five, no dribbling. It's an amazing Ooh. drill, by the way. And if you do it enough, the guys get really good. Initially, they're terrible. But you do it enough, guys learn how to move without the ball and how to be good, greedy receivers. It's incredible. You can do half court, full court, whatever you want. Incredible drill. So... That's what if the Ben may lose game one against the Jose's, the Alvarados, the fighting Alvarados, but give them a couple of practices. <laughs> give them a couple of practices and it'll be a blowout. Yeah. They use can't, they're just too big. Giannis and those guys. Yeah. Fine, Al- fine Alvarados, they're like pit bulls, man. You put it down, you're done. <laughs> My team costs like 20 bucks and draws cost so much. Eight billion dollars. You can't afford that team. Yeah. Like, no, cannot. Too expensive. Too expensive. That's why, that's why we have private equity. Because the guys like you, Gerard, you guys like you, the one. Gerard can cheat. Right. That's the whole point of it. So, so what you're saying is I have to make a call to the Saudi sovereign yeah. wealth fund and say, so I want to put this team together. Right. Here's what you I You want some footers, <laughs> you got you to gotta bring me a bag. America's going to love the Alvarados. Like, it's, it's a great business to be in. I want to see that logo. Uh, oh, yeah. Fighting Alvarados? Fighting Alvarados would be the best. All right. Amazing show, as always. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Henry, David, thank you so much. We will see everyone on Thursday. Take care.